Thank you so much. We good? Awesome. All right. Well, hey, it's great to see you this morning and to see all of your engendered ones, all your offspring here this morning. Man, you guys will turn to the person next to you and say, I'm looking good today. Okay, yes. Congregation here this morning. Uh, well, I'm so, I'm so happy to be here. My name's Joel Johnson, and uh, we had a great families conference. This is, can I just say, this is beautiful. Looking out here to see the generations in one service. This is amazing. This, I, I'm, okay, I'm having church up right here. Can, can I get an altar worker right now? You know, can, let's take up a seven, second offering just for me. I mean, this is beautiful. You guys are amazing. Well, I'm believing that the Lord has some great things to share today. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to launch off into this morning's genera- all-generation service. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We know that every breath, God, is a gift from you. God, this morning, we thank you that, that you're allowing us to breathe your air. Thank you, God. All the, the scriptures say all the earth is the Lord. So thank you for not even charging us, Lord. God, you just, you give us oxygen so freely, Lord. We thank you so much, God, for this moment, for this day. Right now, we commit, those of us who are believers and desiring to know you more, we just commit our lives to you. We commit our families to you, Lord. As Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And God, that's what we say this day at Generations Church. We will serve the Lord. If you agreed with that, would you just say a mighty amen? In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, let me ask you this this morning. Have you ever had someone in your life, when you were a young person, and maybe if you're a young person here this morning, you would want to think right now, is there someone in your life, maybe an adult in your life, who has believed in you so much that it has changed what you believe about yourself in such a profound way that that belief change caused your actions to be different, caused your life to be different, caused your destiny to be different. Think about that person right now. All the adults in here, think about the person who believed in you that changed your life. If you're a young person in here or a child in here, a kid in here this morning, think about someone who believes in you. Maybe it's a mom or a dad or grandma or grandpa, someone who you can do no wrong. Think about that person in your mind. This morning, I want to take a moment and share about one of those people who were in my life. It was actually my youth pastor. His name was Alex. He's a short little Mexican man. Love him so much. And uh, he believed in me so much. He believed in me so much that when I was 14 years old, he allowed me the opportunity to preach a sermon in front of my youth group. 14 years old. Um, he, he allowed all of those people to be subjected to the worst sermon that was ever spoken in the history of this planet. Uh, he, he allowed me, but he believed in me. You know, he would, uh, he would meet with me and some of the other students over at our high school that was really close to our church, Roseville High School, and he would meet there Tuesday through Friday at about six o'clock in the morning and pray with us before we would go to school. We would spend time in prayer, we would spend time, and my pastor even showed up too, and we would do a devotional together, and then we would go to our high school, public high school, uh, Roseville High School, it was big high school, about 2,000 students in it, and he would pray, and they they would pray over us and say, go change your campus. My, My youth pastor would also challenge us 
to do crazy things. He would say, you know, invite your friend, you know, or your, or your name will end up being Skeeter. You know, I know he'd say, bring him to youth group. He'd say, invite your friends. And one time he said to me, he challenged me to do this, and I took him up on his challenge. It was to bring a big white picket fence to school. It's about this long, about this high. So I would carry it. This is high school, my sophomore year, carrying my, my picket fence from class to class. And people would be like, Joel, why do you have a picket fence for? And be like, glad you asked. You can either be on one side of this fence and not know Christ and spend eternity apart from him. Or you can be on the other side of this fence and know God and know his love and be transformed and changed. And, and, and it, it was something to behold. That first day I got to lead five people to the Lord. It was amazing. You guys are like, ooh, that's awesome. After that, don't get too excited because it was all out persecution, okay? This is high school here. Remember, it's high school. People started stealing my fence. People started throwing it up on top of roofs. People would I'd walk down the hall and people would move to the right side of the fence so they'd be on the right side of the fence, great youth pastor. He believed in me so much. And I'll never forget one night we were at youth group and my youth pastor, he was preaching this message. And he was saying, if you want more of God in your life, if you want him more in your life, why don't you come down forward and pray? And I remember coming down forward and um, he actually really didn't say it like that. He said it more like this. Come on, do it. Do it. Do it. So I come down and I'm down there and I love Alex. You know, and uh, I'm down there and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm really seeking God. You know, you have those moments where you're like, God, I really want more of you. And I was sincerely praying. But you know that thing that happens when you pray? Like your mind starts daydreaming about other things. You know, you're like, really? No, God, I want more of you. And then all of a sudden, my mind started dreaming about Taco Bell. (laughs) You know, Lord, mmm, gordita, you know. Can I get an interpretation? You know, I really started interceding deeply. You know, Lord, what would you have me to do? Hot or mild sauce? Lead me. Lead me, Lord. You know, and in the middle of this daydream, (laughs) in the middle of this daydream, all of a sudden, I saw me standing up on this bench in the middle of my high school preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. I saw it was in Senior Square. It was on a bench. I'm having this daydream, right? On a bench in Senior Square. It's where Senior Square in our campus was the quad area where the seniors hung out. It was a big square painted on this quad area. And seniors, it was kind of designated as the senior's place. I saw me standing up preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. I was a junior at this point. And I just, in the middle of this kind of daydream, I just thought to myself, hmm, that's so good. And then I felt something in my heart that shot, that shot fear through the core of me. I felt like God was saying to me, that's you tomorrow at lunchtime. Is this really you, God? Is this Satan? You know, <laughs> Beelzebub, you know, Satan, is, you know, or is this really you speaking to me? You know, like, you know. Lucifer would be like, oh yes, share the good news with all your friends, you know, just, just go for that. And I'm in the middle of this, this thing and I wake up in the cold sweats of it all and I'm feeling like God's saying, that's you to share the good news tomorrow on your high school campus. Well, um, I went home, went to sleep that night. The next morning, that same feeling is still inside of me. Like, I know that I'm supposed to do this. That if I do not do this, I will be uh, 
off course in my life. I will be disobedient. That this was a moment, a challenge. The gauntlet had been thrown down. And I'm feeling like God is telling me at lunchtime, I'm supposed to stand up on this branch and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, lunchtime comes around. I'm not um, in senior square. Instead, I'm on the other side of the campus uh, at the Christian table. You know, we're all there singing our hymns and things. No, I'm just joking, but we're there. And I'm still feeling this thing. Go now. Go now. Preach the good news of Jesus. Go now. And of course, me being the obedient man of God that I was, instead of going to senior square, I went over to a table of girls and invited them to youth group instead. I'm like, you ladies, you know, you should come to youth group. It's going to be really good. It's going to be awesome. And I'll never forget it because one of the young ladies, she stood up and she said, you don't tell them about no youth group. I had eight years of religious school, baby. I mean, her neck was moving like she was a participant on the Jerry Springer show. You know, I thought, and you've seen Jerry Springer. I know, it still gives me nightmares. Anyways, I thought any moment security was coming out. You know, I thought I I was going to need protection. She sits back down and I I say this. I said, you know, um, it's not about you know, being religious. She had said, you know, I've been to religious school and I know about God and da 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 And I said, it's not about being religious. It's about really knowing God. And at that point, the whole table of girls ignored me. They were just ignoring me. You know that thing that happens inside of you when you know people can hear you, but they pretend like they can't hear you and you're talking to them? You know the anger, you know the fire, it's like microwaving metal, you know, you know, something inside began to, steam came out of my ears, I put on my backpack, I began pacing back and forth in the middle of my cafeteria. Some of you guys will have to remember way back to high school, the guy with the tight backpack man, the guy who'd go down, you know, the hall saying, excuse me, excuse me, backpack man, I turned into backpack man, I start pacing back back and forth in the middle of my cafeteria. All of a sudden, I bust through the double doors of my cafeteria like an old western. I come outside. There's these eight hoodlums sitting there, creased dickies, hooded sweatshirts. I walk up to these guys. I'm like, you guys need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gave his life. Romans 10, 9 says, you confess him now, believe in your heart that God raised him for you like to make him Lord of your life right now. They look at me. Yeah, we would. True story. All eight of them, we grabbed hands right there. I don't know if, why they did. Um, you know, they probably thought I was on drugs. All of us in California were, most of us. Anyways, but they were like, okay, I, we circled up. I prayed with them. I led them in the sinner's prayer. One of them I still know. He spent over 20 years at the Dream Center in L.A. getting gang members off the street. I don't know what happened. It was a Holy Spirit moment. It was a descending. It was revival on my school. It was something, but now I'm heading to Senior Square, but now I got me a posse. So like I cruise up, I cruise up to Senior Square, and I I run up on this bench, and I say, come around, I've got something to say. Come around, I've got something to say. Nobody moved, you know, except for the three chess club kids, you know. Yeah, checkmate. Anyways, but they came forward. They came forward, and it was, it was silent. I'm like, I've got something to say. Come, come around. Nobody's moving. It's just silent. You, could have heard, you heard crickets. It was just a silent moment. And all of a sudden, I began to share my heart. I began to say, Jesus Christ, you changed my life. You know, many of us, we come to school, and we put on a mask every day. You know, some of us put on the happy face. Oh, everything's fine. Some of us put on the hard face. But when you go home at night and you're in your bed and you take off that mask you've worn all day and it's just you and it's God, 
There's two people you can't lie to. You can't lie to yourself and you can't lie to God. You're hurting inside. That was me. But when Christ came inside, he healed my broken heart. He can heal yours. All of a sudden, one of my vice principals came up and said, all right, young man, step down. I looked down at my vice principal. Look back at my peers, about 400 of them standing out there. And I began to share my heart again. Jesus Christ, he changed my life. And he could change your life. My other vice principal came up. All right, young man, step down. I looked down at my other vice principal. And what happened next out of the crowd, I'll never forget, because out of the crowd I began to hear this. Quietly at first, began to hear this. Let him speak. Hey, let him speak. Let him speak. Let him speak. Hey, let him speak. And then when I was done, I stepped down from that bench. I looked at my vice principal and he says, he said to me, you know, what gives you the right? What gives you the right? It's like an exact interpretation of him. You know, I'm a teenager. I don't know what to say, you know. So I said, uh, Supreme Court versus Mergens gives our 10th student bill of rights to give, that gives us the right to share our faith on campus. Holla. You know, I'm right there. And uh, I guess that wasn't the right thing to say because he's like, what are you, some kind of constitutional expert? Mm-hmm. I didn't even know I was going to law school at that point in time. I looked over at my other vice principal and said, you know, tears started coming down my face. Um, I just said, you know, my friends, they're on drugs. Some of them have committed suicide. How can I be silent when I know the answer is Jesus? You guys are like, amen. They're like, mm, principal's office. So I head down to the principal's office. And I wish they would have said amen to me, you know, but I head down to the principal's office and my principal says, hey, you have to promise me that you will never share uh, about this on my campus again. Of course, this is California public school, 2,000 people. Uh, It is not cool to bring your Bible to school, to be involved in any, um, it's just not cool. And he says, you have to promise me you'll never do this again on my campus. And I looked at him as respectfully as I could. And I said, sir, I can't promise I will never do this again on your campus, but next time I do, I'll let you know. How about that? And uh, that week, I got to lead 16 people to Jesus Christ through that whole set of circumstances. Amazing, amazing opportunity, amazing moment in my life being obedient to God. It was an an amazing time. But I want to say this, you know, it's amazing that what others believe about us and how they believe in us can change how we believe in ourselves and can change your very course of your life. Here's a youth pastor who saw something in me at 14, and now as I'm heading towards 40, I'm still accomplishing what he saw back then. Today, what we believe about ourselves and what we believe truly affects our actions. Today, I want to share three scriptures, give us a challenge. This is an all-generation service. I understand attention spans span very wide in this room. Three scriptures give us a powerful challenge today. 
And today I share this story about this bench, not because I believe you're a great Christian if you stand on a bench. I, I don't believe that at all. Um, and I don't think God calls everyone to stand up on a bench and preach. Some of you, if you went to the local high school and went and stood up on a bench, you would be in jail right now uh, because you'd be perpetrating at a school. You know, you don't want to go do, you want to obey God. But I say that, I share that bench story because, not because God is calling you to stand up on a bench and preach, but that he's calling all of us to a higher benchmark. He's calling every single one from the young ones in here from those, you know, age, you know, to our teenagers, to our children, you know, to age fetus. He is calling you to a higher place. He is, he is calling you to something new. Those of us who are in our middle, middle-aged years or those who are in our, our 20-somethings or those who are more seasoned in life. He's saying, you are not done. I am not done with you. I'm still calling you to something higher, and it's probably going to make you uncomfortable. I was afraid. I did not want to stand up on that bench and preach the gospel that day. When I felt the call to go back to school and to get my Juris Doctorate, I did not want to go because I was fearful of the debt. I was fearful of the time. I was fearful, of, but it made me uncomfortable, but it was my next step. What is he calling you to? What is that benchmark that he's calling you to? Young ones, what is the next place? Maybe you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. Maybe you're struggling with obeying your mom or dad, or maybe one of your mom, maybe your mom or your dad isn't around anymore, and it makes you angry. It makes you feel unwanted, and maybe it's just time to say, God, I need you to be my dad, or I need you to be my mom. Maybe you're in here today, and you're just, you're still an adult, and you're still struggling with honoring your parents because you don't believe they deserve honor. But he's saying, what in this year, what in this time do you need to take the next step in? Because there's something he's calling you to. Maybe it's a call to start a small group. Maybe it's a call to be, um, to be a part of this community in this church in a new way and not just be an attender, but to be a partner. To, to say, okay, I see this vision. It's bigger than just the pastors or the staff members. This vision is about people in our community. This vision is about me learning to love people better so that I become more like my father. What is that benchmark he's calling you to? Today I want to share three scriptures. Um, in the scripture. One of them I've already quoted, but at lightning quick speed, it's Romans 10.9. I want to look at that real quickly. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is great news. This scripture is saying, Paul is saying, these two things should be present when salvation occurs. Everyone say two. Okay, let's say all together, kids, moms, dads, everybody, on the count of three. One, two, three. Now let's do it with a fist pump on the count of three. One, two, three, two. Yes, that was so aggressive. So, guys, that was awesome. I was feeling your energy at that moment, that fantastic, let's get some donuts and a coffee and a lawn chair moment. Let's, let's bring our nail guns to and shoot out the pastry holes and make donuts with our nail guns. Let's do something aggressive. Anyways, there's two things in this scripture here. It's saying that you must believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. 
You've got to believe he's the Messiah, that he's the one that was prophesied about. Over 300 scriptures tell of Jesus. It said he'll be born in Bethlehem. Psalms 22, it, it literally has over 30 prophecies that Jesus would complete on the day of his death. 500 years before crucifixion was ever invented by the Assyrians, David would be quoting in Psalms 22 and saying he would die on a tree. He would be describing something that never had existed a thousand years before Christ would ever die. King David was quoting and prophesying about Jesus. Jesus, without a doubt, is the Messiah. If somebody could just fulfill eight of those 300 prophecies, they would it'd be a one to the 10 to the 17th power chance. Jesus just didn't fulfill eight. He fulfilled all 300 plus prophecies. Jesus is the Messiah. That's what we must believe Yes, your Lord, you created heaven and earth, as John chapter 1 says, that everything that was created was created by him. And we say, yes, I believe that. And then the next thing Paul says, everyone say two. Say it again. Everyone say two. So the second thing he's saying is once you believe this, that he created heaven and earth, that he is the Messiah, God's son, God incarnate, then we say, we confess him as Lord. We say, wow, you did all this. You gave me my life, my breath. Your Lord, your Lord. Here, show me how to live. Teach me your ways. Your Lord. And so Paul is describing in this salvation moment, in this aha, the, the, the divine aha that we have, this, this moment, he's saying to us, yes, these things will be present. You see that he's the Messiah, the risen one, the son of God. And then you say, Jesus, I vow to give you my life. Show me how to live this life. And when these two things collide together, it explodes into your eternal salvation. This is what it means to be born again. Do you believe that Christ is the risen one? And have you said in that believing in your heart, have you said you're my Lord? Is he the boss, the main influencer of your life today? Two more scriptures give us our challenge. Second scripture is found in James chapter 2 verse 19 tells us, um, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. What is, what is James, the brother of Jesus, trying to share with us here today? He's saying, hey, if you believe, you believe there's God, that's great. But he says, you know, even the demons believe in God. But are demons going to heaven? Are they saved? Are they? No, why? Because they're in rebellion to God. They believe in God. They believe in Jesus. They know that Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. They believe in God and all of that. But there's this other element of, hey, you're my Lord, and they're really not in lordship. They're, they're, they're fighting against, they're rebelling against what ultimately will be the kingdom of God, where love reigns supreme, where other-centeredness reigns supreme. Last scripture, give us our challenge. Um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now this is interesting here because Paul has just told us that you have to believe and then you have to confess him as Lord. Everyone say two. Okay, everyone say two. So you have to believe and then this lordship thing happens, right? But now Jesus is saying, if you confess, people will confess me as Lord, but they won't end up in the kingdom of heaven. Is the Bible contradicting itself here? No, I don't think so. Look at what Jesus says. But those who do the will of my Father in heaven. 
You see, when you have a heart belief, you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, it's a belief that is so core to you that it naturally brings about an action. What is your will? You see, we can have an intellectual belief of God and we could say, oh yeah, I believe in God. I know he's there, but the belief in God that hits your heart, that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, that he is the Lord, that he is the one who has given us life and breath, that's where we bow and we say, yes, show me what to do, master, Lord, king, main influence of my life, coach, chief, boss, here it is, my life is yours. Jesus is saying, many will say, have an intellectual belief, and they'll say, oh, you're my Lord. Then Jesus says, but he checks that. Those who do the will of my Father in heaven. See this dynamic tension that Paul is trying to share in human words about the spiritual um, miracle that's happening in the hearts of humans. Is it saying, you've got to let it hit you where you believe it. Because truly what you believe affects your actions. What you believe affects your actions, your life, and your destiny. Let me give you an example. After this lovely all-generation service, the activity for all of us will not be for us to head up on top of the roof and then to do swan dives off into the parking lot. Can you imagine what people would be thinking outside on the front row here? Why will that not be the activity of choice? Because we all believe in gravity. And because we believe in gravity, our belief affects our actions. I mean, we believe in gravity at our core, right? Do you ever have a moment as a child where you thought, well, I really can fly? <laughs> I have, and unfortunately, not just one time. But I soon discovered, you know, coming off of the, you know, my one-story roof that I could not fly. And I believe in gravity, so my belief affects my actions. My actions prove what I really believe. They help me to see what I believe. So what does your belief about God prove? uh, How does it affect your actions? And how does your actions prove what you really believe about God? Let me just do a quick exercise. I want you to close your eyes for about 30 seconds, and then I'm going to ask you to open them again. Everyone in here, close your eyes and refuse the temptation to take a nap. Okay, close your eyes. And I want you to just think over the last three months of your life. Just think back what was going on. Okay, think back over February. Try to forget, you know, Valentine's Day maybe. And, you know, go beyond into the new year. Some of you made it up till midnight. Some of you didn't. Think back into Christmas time. And I just want to ask you this question. Think back, what were you doing? Who, who were you trying to impress? Did you wake up in the morning saying, God, I want to live for you today? Or did you wake up in the morning thinking, well, there's this guy or this girl or my friends at work, or there's this group of people, or maybe it was a something else, your job, even not even negative things. Maybe it was just you kind of being in control of like, man, where am I going to go to school at for college? Or, or how am I going to pay my bills? Or um, how is this going to happen? Instead of God being in the picture, maybe you had more influence in your life than God did. Maybe another person had more influence in your life than God did. Maybe even a husband or a spouse more influence than God did. 
You can open your eyes right now. In just a moment, I want to give us an opportunity that if you could not say Jesus was the Lord of my life, that if you could not say, you know, my main influence of my life wasn't Jesus over the last three months. I'm not saying you don't know God. I'm not saying you haven't said a prayer. I'm just asking you today, what are your actions telling about you and what you believe in God? I'm not saying, did you have a dynamic, amazing relationship with God? But you know, even in a marriage, you can have really great times and you can have rocky times. And maybe you find yourself on a rocky moment and you're saying, God, I've had some doubts or I've had some distance, I felt like. Or how could you allow this to happen in our family? I don't get you right now, God. But you, you feel yourself in a distant place from God where you have taken more control. Or maybe someone else has more influence in your life. Today is the day to get a revelation and a, a new picture of who God says you are. And who God says he is. And to say, oh God, I need to see you in a new way. So it changes how I live. Who has the most influence in your life? In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ maybe the re-lord of your life. Maybe um, to put him back. Maybe you've always believed, but you've never believed in a way that affected your actions. Or maybe the way that you've been believing about God has distanced you and you just want to say, you know, I don't want that distance to be here. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to make that decision. If you couldn't say over the last three months, no, I know God is number one in my life. I'm not saying, are you perfect? None of us in here is perfect. I'm saying, who has the main influence in your life? Is it God or is it someone else? And what we're about to see in just a moment is we're going to see... um, Young people, children, adults do something really courageous. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to make a a bold stand. I'm going to ask you if you'd say, you know what? I see that in my life that that I am distant from God, but today I want to be close with God. Today, maybe you've never, you've, you've believed he was your savior But today it's coming into your heart and you're saying, I want him to be my Lord. I want him to be my boss. I want him to be the king. I want, yes, God, you created everything. God, you gave me my life as a gift. Lord, today I want to make my life and how I live it a gift back to you. And you want to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life today. Maybe you've always believed, but you must also confess And really, it's not so much about the confession. It's about the belief that so fills your heart that says, yes, I believe in gravity. I believe in God. And so here's my life. Would everyone just close your eyes in here today? If today, if you would say, you know what? I need to make Jesus Christ Lord of my life. Joel, I'm hearing you today. Uh, The Spirit is speaking to me or there's something different. And today, I know there's a distance. Over the last three months, I couldn't say that I want um, that you were the main influencer. You were the main boss of my life. But today, you want to say yes. Yes, I want you to be the boss, the king, the Lord, the master. If that's you today, and you would say, I need to... I need to close that gap of distance. Today, I need to make him Lord of my life. Today, I look at my actions, and my actions haven't been proving what I say I believe. But today, I want my actions to begin to change. Today, I want to make Jesus Lord or re-Lord or or just put him back in that position in my heart as boss and king. If that's you today, and you would say, yep, I want to make that decision. I I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I want to answer that call 
in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand with every eye closed. I'm going to just count to three. I'm going to say one, two, three. And when I count to three, I want you to not to think about it, not it or not look around. I want you to have thought and said, hey, I, this is what I want. And when I count to three, I just want you to shoot up your hand. I just want you to make your decision now and then respond. And I want you to just raise your hand up tall. If you're saying, Jesus, yes, I believe, and I want to make you Lord today. Okay, here we go on the count of three. If you want to make him Lord and boss, you want to close that distance, the main influencer of your life, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three, raise your hand. Raise it up. Okay. Scores of hands across this room. Scores of hands. You can put your hand down right now. Today, I want to lead us in a prayer. And can I just have everyone in this congregation, would you just stand to your feet right now? Everyone in this room, stand to your feet. Will you close your eyes when you stand? Because I want to lead us in a prayer of recommitment, of rededication, and of lordship. Will you close your eyes? Will you just repeat after me? Everyone in this room, whether you're a believer or you've been, you, you didn't raise your hand for this, would you pray along for us? Will you just say, God... Just repeat after me. Say, God, I believe in you. Thank you for believing in me. Now change my actions. I believe Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sins. And you raised him from the grave. Now give me new life. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life the king my main influence in Jesus name now I just want to speak a few things over you right now your actions can change because you believe on Jesus Christ and because God so believed in you he sent his only son to die to show us how much he loved us to take away our sin to give us a second chance to change our actions to change our life to change our destiny the reason we can change is because there is someone who believed in us and his name is Father God today Will you allow yourself to believe that God, your heavenly Father, the one who created you, believes in you, sees that you're more than a conqueror, that you can overcome any battle, any trial, and allow that to let you believe that because he believes that anything is possible through Jesus Christ in your life, that your life and your actions can be changed. You can open your eyes. Let me just pray over the congregation. Lord God, I thank you for a mighty church. For a church who has been here and has stood the test and trials and the storm and will continue to stand every test, every trial, every storm. Lord, I thank you that those who are going through trials, those who are struggling maybe financially, Lord, that they would find life and peace. 
Lord, that those who are struggling maybe maritally or familially in their families, that they would find life and peace. That these children who made decisions today would be changed from the inside out, starting today by the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that lives within them now. In Jesus' name, that this would be a light to this community. That this would be a bright beacon to this community. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, from generation to generation to generation to generation. In Jesus' name, if you agreed with this prayer today, would you just say amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord a a huge hand clap. Before we leave today, I just want to show a few things. I have a giant love book here. This is a children's um, storybook, but it, it leads young, young children into knowing who Jesus Christ is. There's a prayer of salvation, and it's really, really amazing and beautiful. Um, also, for the men in the house, there's a book called Hero for young men and men of every age. It's got stories about World War II soldiers and veterans who served God. It's got amazing things that... Uh, that just show that spirituality isn't just a feminine thing. It is truly at the heart the greatest masculine thing that any man could ever do. Um, There's also some other resources back there you can check out at the table. I'll be hanging out there. Thank you, Generations Church, once again for having me in your congregation. Can you give a huge round of applause for your pastors and staff? Thank you for bringing me in. Thank you for being a part. Thank you. Thank you. And um, Scott, let's give him a huge round of applause as he comes. A high five.